You are listening to The Pregnancy Podcast with Vanessa Merton. Hello, thank you for tuning into The Pregnancy Podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Aeroflow. Aeroflow is a company that helps you get a breast pump through your health insurance. There can be some hoops to jump through to get a breast pump through your insurance, but Aeroflow does all of this for you and they make it so easy. To get this started, you can go to pregnancypodcast.com forward slash breast pump. I'd also like to thank Zoller for their support of this episode. If you want to get an awesome prenatal vitamin at a big discount, Zoller was really generous and gave me a promo code to share with you so that you can save 25% off when you buy a month's supply on Amazon. A link to the vitamins with the promo code, which is prepod25, is in the show notes and on the resources page. Last week, we talked about eating during labor and went through the evidence behind that and also talked about what ACOG's guidelines are and likely the policies that you may run into at a hospital if you're planning on giving birth at a hospital, and how to make sure that you do not run out of energy during labor. This week, we are talking about drinking during labor and IV fluids. I came across some research on this when I was working on the episode I did last week, and for a couple reasons, I think this is an important enough topic that it deserves its own episode especially because staying hydrated during labor is so intertwined with IV fluids. And receiving IV fluids during your labor is an intervention that comes along with risks and benefits. If you are not drinking enough fluids or receiving fluids from an IV and you are dehydrated, it is going to affect your labor. You can become lethargic. You're going to have a lack of energy. Your uterus is going to have a hard time contracting efficiently, which ultimately can slow down or even stall your labor. So it is really, really important to stay hydrated. It wasn't too long ago that drinking anything, even water during labor, was prohibited in a hospital environment. Women in labor were only allowed ice chips. This changed in 2009 when the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists came out with their revised committee opinion and changed their attitude on this. Their opinion now states, the oral intake of modest amounts of clear liquids may be allowed for patients with uncomplicated labor. The patient without complications undergoing elective cesarean delivery may have modest amounts of clear liquids up to two hours before induction of anesthesia. Examples of clear liquids include, but are not limited to, water, fruit juices without pulp, carbonated beverages, clear tea, black coffee, and sports drinks. And I'll put a link to that committee opinion in the show notes. And in 2017, ACOG released another committee opinion that specifically addressed IV fluids. And that stated that women in spontaneously progressing labor may not require routine continuous infusion of intravenous fluids. Although safe, intravenous hydration limits freedom of movement and may not be necessary. When I'm talking about IV fluids, IV is short for intravenous, and these are fluids that are delivered via a needle directly into a vein. There are some different types of IV fluids. And all are isotonic, 
which means that they have the same concentration of solvent to solute as your blood or cells in your body. The solvent in these fluids are electrolytes, like soluble salts. One type of IV fluids is just a saline solution. And this doesn't contain all of the electrolytes in your bloodstream, but it does have sodium and chloride, which are the most abundant. There's another type of fluid called ringer solution, and that has several salts, which more closely resembles blood plasma. And then there's also fluids that contain glucose. I don't want to get too into the science here. If you do receive IV fluids, your care provider should be selecting a solution or a combination of solutions that's going to fit your needs. Overall, I just want you to know that there are a few different types of IV fluids that can be administered. In U.S. hospitals, it is common practice to routinely use IV fluids during labor. And this is not the case with a home birth or a birth center. Although, if you are planning on giving birth at home or at a birth center, if IV fluids are needed, a midwife in one of those settings should be able to administer them. IV fluids are usually given at a rate of either 125 milliliters per hour or 250 milliliters per hour. If you're receiving IV fluids at a rate of 250 milliliters an hour, and you're getting them over the course of six hours, that's going to be equal to one and a half liters total of fluid, which is a lot of fluid. For most of the literature that I reviewed for this episode, throughout labor and delivery, you can expect to receive about one to two liters of IV fluids. The majority of research around IV fluids during birth compares different IV solutions or compares IV fluids to not drinking any fluids. In the few studies that do compare IV fluids to oral intake, meaning that you're allowed to drink whatever you'd like, they do show a reduced length of labor with IV fluids. In a 2013 review, the researchers noted that when comparing IV fluids to no liquids by mouth, IV fluids did result in a shorter labor. And they also note that it may be possible for women to simply increase their oral intake rather than being attached to a drip. I'll put a link to that review in the show notes. And all of the show notes for this episode can be found at pregnancypodcast.com forward slash episode 92. A 2017 meta-analysis found that labor times were shorter when IV fluids were administered at a rate of 250 milliliters an hour compared to 125 milliliters per hour. The higher rate also resulted in a reduced risk of cesarean sections. The researchers did note that further study is needed regarding risks and benefits of increased hydration among women with unrestricted oral intake. This is what I was talking about when I was saying there's not a lot of studies that are comparing being able to just drink freely to IV fluids. And I'll put a link to that meta-analysis in the show notes if you want to read more of the details on that. You know that staying hydrated in labor is essential, and receiving an IV will hydrate you which research has shown may reduce your time in labor and even reduce the cesarean rate. But like with any intervention, this does come with some risks and some things that you should be aware of. The first is that if you're hooked up to an IV, it can restrict your mobility. IV fluids are delivered by a drip, so a small amount is being given over a period of time. So you're going to remain attached to an IV pole. 
It isn't like you are strapped to a bed. You can still move around. You just need to be aware of the IV so that you're not pulling on that tube. If you do receive an IV, you should be able to get an IV pole that has wheels so you could still walk around and maintain some mobility that way. Another risk with IV fluids is that overhydrating with IVs can cause edema, which is swelling due to excess fluids in your body. This can be uncomfortable if you have swelling until your body gets rid of those excess fluids in the days following your birth. The third risk, which is a big one that I really want to make sure that you know about, is that IV fluids can cause your baby to maintain higher fluid levels at birth. Now, here's why this is important. When your baby has more excess fluid, they're going to lose that through output in their diapers after birth, and your doctor is going to see this as weight loss, and they could be concerned that your baby is not eating enough. Babies will naturally lose weight after birth before they start gaining. In those first few days after birth, your body's producing colostrum. It's going to take a couple days for your milk to come in. And in general, your care provider doesn't want to see your baby lose more than about 10% of their birth weight. And they'd like to see your baby back at their birth weight within two weeks. So if they have extra fluid that they're retaining, because when you receive those IV fluids during labor, they also receive some of that fluid, and then they lose that fluid, it's going to look like they're losing weight when they're just losing additional water weight. An observational study published in the International Breastfeeding Journal found that timing and amounts of maternal IV fluids are correlated to newborn weight loss. I'll put a link to that study in the show notes. The authors of this study recommend using the 24-hour weight rather than the weight at birth as the baseline weight when following infant weight over time. The theory being that within 24 hours, your baby's going to lose any of that excess fluid weight, and then you have a really good baseline to measure how well they're eating and making sure that they're not losing too much weight. The recommendation to use the 24-hour weight hasn't gained major traction in the medical community. But this is something that I want you to keep in mind if you receive IV fluids during labor. Weight gain is definitely an important indicator that your baby is getting enough nutrition, but you're also going to want to look for and have your care provider look for other signs that your baby is eating well, like output in their diapers. It's a good idea to talk to your doctor or midwife and find out what their policy is about IV fluids during labor, if they generally tend to use them routinely, if it's something that you'd like to opt out of, if that's an option. If you're having another intervention, like you're planning on getting your labor jump-started with Pitocin, or you're planning on having an epidural, those are almost always accompanied by IV fluids. So it may be tough to get out of IV fluids if you're having another intervention that would require them. One thing that you can do if you are trying to avoid IV fluids or if you want to limit how much you're receiving is you can ask your doctor or midwife if you can just get a HEP lock or a saline lock put in. And what this is, it's a needle that sticks in the top of your hand and then they cap it off. So they're going to tape it to your hand so it stays put. That way, if you need to get an IV later during your labor or they needed quick access to a vein to get you some kind of medication or anything, they have that port because you have that Heplock in your hand, but you're not immediately hooked up to things right away. 
almost all hospitals, even if you're opting out of an IV, they're going to require that you get that HEP lock or that saline lock in your hand. But that's a good compromise if you don't want IV fluids that you can tell your doctor, well, hey, let's just I'll get the HEP lock in and it will be there in the event that I do need IV fluids, then we have really easy access to do it at a later time. Well, now that we've covered a ton about IV fluids, I really want to talk about what you can do on your own to stay hydrated by drinking during labor. So just before that, I want to do a quick word from today's sponsors. A few years ago when I was pregnant, I spent hours coordinating with my insurance company and medical device companies trying to get a breast pump covered through my health insurance. In the end, it all worked out, but it was a huge ordeal. Luckily for you, Aeroflow is a company that is going to handle all of this on your behalf. They call your insurance company and figure out all the details like how much you qualify for and when your insurance will approve shipping a pump to you. They're going to get in touch with your doctor or midwife to get all the paperwork that they need for the insurance to cover the pump. And then they're going to get in touch with you to help you pick out the right breast pump for your needs. I really wish that this was around back when I spent hours going through this process. Aeroflow carries all of the major brands like Medela, Spectra, and Evenflow. Most insurance companies will cover a pump about a month before your due date, but you don't need to wait to get this process started. You can knock it off your list anytime during your pregnancy. To get started and check this item off your to-do list, you can go to pregnancypodcast.com forward slash breast pump. You could easily spend hours comparing prenatal vitamins to try and find the right one for you. There are a lot of brands out there. I have done significant research and several episodes on prenatal vitamins and the contents of them. And I've also personally tried a lot of different brands. And there's one that really stands out that I really like. And that is the Prenatal Plus DHA from Zoller. They make a really high quality prenatal that includes the active form of folate that in my research I found to be preferable over folic acid. And very few prenatal vitamins go through the trouble to put this in their vitamin. And the Zoller prenatal has omega-3s and DHA. So it's going to eliminate the need to take a separate DHA or omega-3 supplement. Hands down, this is my recommendation for a prenatal vitamin. And you can save some money when you buy it. You can get 25% off a one-month supply when you buy them on Amazon, which is already the cheapest place to find them online. I will put a link to the vitamins with the promo code, which is prepod25 in the show notes, and it's also on the resources page of the website. Whether or not you plan to receive IV fluids during your birth, it's still going to be a good idea to get some fluids by mouth. And staying hydrated this way might give you an opportunity to reduce the overall amount of IV fluids you are receiving. And of course, if you would like to avoid IV fluids, then it's mandatory that you have to be drinking enough by mouth. You have to make sure that you're staying hydrated on your own. You know that labor is a marathon, and it's really important to stay hydrated. So water, of course, can do this. But there are some other options like juices, broths like a bone broth, or even coconut water. Any liquid, even if it's frozen like a popsicle, can help keep you hydrated. Isotonic drinks 
which are commonly thought of as sport drinks, are often recommended. If you remember, I talked about IV fluids being isotonic. Isotonic drinks contain electrolytes, but typical sports drinks, like when I think of sports drinks, I think of Gatorade, also contains a lot of sugar. If Gatorade isn't your thing, or you want to avoid some of the ingredients in brands like Gatorade and Powerade, you can use Emergency, which is a powder that you can mix with water that has electrolytes, or even coconut water is isotonic. There are also a lot of recipes online where you can make your own isotonic drinks at home. There have been a few small studies comparing isotonic drinks to water in labor, and the results showed benefit to drinking isotonic drinks. I'll put a link to one of these studies in the show notes. Some women find it easier to drink fluids from a straw while they are in labor. This also allows somebody else to hold a drink up to your mouth so that you can just take a sip and you don't have to be thinking about it, reaching for a cup, lifting it to drink it. And you might find that you drink more fluids with a straw. So that could be something to try. There are also some strategies that you can use to remind yourself to drink during labor, like taking a drink after every contraction. When you're in labor, it's going to be easy to forget to drink because you're going to be in labor land and occupied with other things. Your partner can be a really great reminder and have drinks readily available and by your side. This is going to be a big help. And your partner needs to stay hydrated too. So if they're not listening to this episode, make sure to tell them that they need to be drinking during your labor too. Of course, if you are taking fluids in, your body is also going to need to get rid of some fluids too. If you have an epidural, that can often come with a catheter because if you can't feel when you have to urinate because of the medication and the epidural, you're going to need something to assist you in emptying your bladder. If you have a catheter in, you obviously don't need to worry about going to the bathroom. If you do not have a catheter in, a good guideline is to try and urinate every hour. This is an excellent thing for your partner to keep track of. You don't need to make this a complex thing with timers and constant staring at the clock. Just try to aim for maybe on the hour hitting the bathroom. And of course, you're going to be just trying to time this in between contractions. Remembering to try and urinate during labor is definitely something that I will be more conscious of in my next birth. I had a really long pushing stage when I gave birth to my son, and my midwife thought that my bladder was full and that might have been making it really difficult for him to come out. So the next time I give birth, I want to be really conscious about making sure that I am emptying my bladder so that that's not causing any issues during my labor. To recap today's episode, we talked all about the importance of staying hydrated during labor. We talked about how your doctor or midwife can hydrate you with an IV and the benefits and risks of that. We talked about some research on intravenous fluids, both on how it can affect you and how it can affect your baby. And we got into how you can hydrate yourself during labor and some tips on drinking during your labor. I really want to thank you for tuning in to the Pregnancy Podcast today. I hope that you find this episode helpful. As always, you can contact me, Vanessa, at PregnancyPodcast.com. You can find notes and resources for this episode at PregnancyPodcast.com forward slash episode 92. 
You can find me on Twitter at Preg Podcast or Pregnancy Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. 